Well, last weekend, if you were with us, last weekend was the very beginning of our four campaign. And just before we continue this morning, I just wanted to take a minute. Um, you know, every once in a while, um, when you, you sit in my shoes, um, you get to see uh, just how amazing this place as a church is. And this past week, as I'm seeing your gifts and your contributions that you made to the four campaign um, start to come in, uh, I was absolutely overwhelmed. I was, I was absolutely overwhelmed. And I just want to thank you for your unbelievable heart, uh, the heart that you have for people, uh, the, the kindness that you display, the love and the compassion that, that you display for people not only in our community but all over uh, our world. I am so grateful um, that I get to, to call you my church and that I get to be your pastor. Um, it is such a joy, and you make being a part of this place such an incredible gift. And so we're going to talk more about that at the end of our time together today. Um, but just please, thank you. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. You are an amazing, amazing group of followers of Jesus. Uh, this week, uh, today is the second week in our annual four campaign, and uh, and if you weren't here with us last weekend, or um, if this is your first time with us, uh, our annual four campaign. This is the opportunity that we take every year um, to to remind ourselves at this season of the year about something that's so important for us all to remember, which is that everybody, right, absolutely everybody, everybody matters to God, whether God matters to them or not. And so each year during this season of the year, we take some of our time and we take some of our energy um, and we come around this idea of demonstrating, right? Not just believing, but actually demonstrating the idea of no strings attached, compassion and generosity, not only in our local community, but all around our world. And the reason we do this every year uh, is because many times, and we don't even stop to think about this, but the ideas of compassion and generosity, right? These are in no way natural. Right? We're, we're tempted to think that compassion and generosity, that these are just normal things, that they're natural things, that that's just kind of the humanitarian thing you do, it's just kind of the right thing to do. Right? But the truth is, and what you need to know, and if this is new for you, um, if you know this already, why this is so important to remind ourselves of every single year, um, is, is the reason that there is something compassionate and something generous inside of you that has nothing to do with nature, that's because you were taught something. Right? Compassion and generosity are not natural. The reason you want to help people, the reason you want to be involved when you see a need is, is that because you have been taught that compassion and generosity are, are good. Because see, what's natural right, is middle school. Right? What, what's natural is toddler world. Right? That's what's natural. What's natural is what Autumn and I used to refer to when our kids were grown up as the toddler creed. Right? The toddler creed. What's mine is mine and what's yours is mine. Right? Amen. This is what's natural. Right? This is what's natural. You don't ever have to teach your kids this. Right? Because the truth is, as much as we love them, as much as you love them, um, the truth is kids are selfish. Just like I'm selfish. Just like you're selfish. Because that is what's natural. Right? That is what's normal. In fact, you, you might not even believe me when I say this, but um, these ideas of compassion and generosity that, that we think of as virtue, um, th these are th these all actually have their root in the New Testament. In fact, when Jesus showed up and when he began to cast his vision for what um, life in his kingdom would look like, Jesus' ideas of, of no strings attached, com 
compassion and generosity. I mean, they, they were so, they were such head-turning ideas. It is absolutely amazing that they actually made it out of the first century. And so whether we realize it or not, whether you believe it or not, um, th these ideas, um, th these, uh, these concepts from Jesus have actually impacted Western civilization and they've impacted our country in, in such a way that we are now a generous people today because we've actually been taught that generosity is good. And the foundation of that whole idea that generosity is in fact a good thing is actually the teaching of the New Testament. So whether you call yourself a Christian or a follower of Jesus, wh whether you even think of yourself as a theist or not, if you have grown up in the Western world at all, then you have been impacted by this because the truth is the world isn't this way everywhere and the world hasn't always been this way anywhere. And at the very heart, the, the heartbeat of, of the New Testament, the heartbeat of what it means to actually follow Jesus, like we talked about last week, is this incredible idea that it's God's extravagant generosity towards us that compels us to be extravagantly generous towards others. Right? It's God's extravagant generosity towards us that compelled God to actually become one of us and then dwell among us. It's his extravagant generosity that led him to, to sacrificing himself on our behalf. And so if you're considering Jesus or if you're reconsidering Jesus, if you're considering what it means to actually be a part of Jesus' church, um, here's what you should know. Right? The, the driving force behind all behavior as, as Christians, the driving force behind everything that we do as followers of Jesus, right? all the thou shalls and the thou shall nots that, that you read about in the New Testament, all of it, um, it has nothing to do with being good, it has nothing to do with being fair, it has nothing to do with being nice. The driving force behind all of that is what it is that our Heavenly Father has done for us and to us through Jesus. And as followers of Jesus, we are then to go and do for others what our Heavenly Father has done for us. The Apostle Paul um, shed great light on this in a very familiar and yet challenging section of Philippians chapter 2. So if you want to follow along with this, this is, um, these, are, these are some familiar words for many of us, but these are incredibly, incredibly challenging words. Because the Apostle Paul, he, he looks at all of us and he says this, he says, listen, do nothing, right? Do no thing. Do nothing, he says, out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And it's like, okay, Paul, really? Like nothing? And he says, yeah, nothing. Nothing. Rather, right? Here's the contrast, he says. Rather, right, in humility, he says, I want you to actually value others above yourselves. And, and, and we think about this and we think to ourselves, we're like, okay, Paul. Like, there's no way. Like, I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just not going to do this, right? I'm just, it's not going to happen. Paul, don't you understand? I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, Paul, don't you realize I already have issues with self-esteem and self-confidence? Like, Paul, don't you know that? And you're asking me to live my life as though everybody I meet is more valuable than me? And, and Paul says, okay, no, listen. Listen, you're missing something. I'm not saying other people are more valuable than you. I'm saying I want you to treat other people as if they're more valuable than you, right? To which you, you might say, okay, well, who would do that? And to which I would say, well, listen, you've actually had that done to you and you enjoyed it, okay? If you've ever been to a really nice hotel, if you've ever been to a, a great resort and when you walk in and you ask the question and the people look at you and they say, my pleasure, right, my pleasure, hey, is there anything else I can do for you? 
right? And, and you think to yourself, okay, I like this place. Like if I'm ever back here, right, this is the place I'm going to go. And, and when you get home, you, you tell all your friends about it, right? And, and when, when that happened to you and when you experienced that, you did not think for a second, right, okay, clearly I am a more valuable human being than these people, did you? Right? That, that's not what you thought. What, what you thought was, okay, the way that these people are treating me, that makes me feel as though I'm wanted by them. It makes me feel as though I'm important to them. It makes me feel as though I matter to them. Right? And that's all the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is how I want you to live your life. Right? You put other people ahead or above yourself, not because they are more valuable than you, but because I, I want you to, to communicate to them that they are valuable to you. I want you to communicate to them that they are valuable to your heavenly father. And, and again, we, we hear this and we think to ourselves, okay, well, you know, Paul, maybe I'll, I'll try and, and maybe, you know, maybe I can do this for some people, you know, who deserve it. And maybe I can even do this every once in a while, Paul, for people who don't deserve this, but really, Paul, you want this, you want me, you want us to make this a, a lifestyle, right? And Paul continues and he says this, he says, listen, not looking to your own interests, but each of you, I actually want you to look to the interests of others, right? Now, listen, if you are married or if, if you are engaged, I, I'm telling you, this single statement right here could literally save you thousands and thousands of dollars. This could save you countless hours in counseling. This statement is a game changer when it comes to marriage. In fact, I would even go so far as to say this. If you're struggling in your relationship right now with your husband or your wife or you're about to be husband or wife, I'm, I'm telling you, listen, if you simply begin to do this, if you simply look to putting the other person's interests ahead of your own and, and pay attention to their interests and not just your interests, I promise you that everything will begin to get better in your marriage. Okay, if you're a kid, right, if you're a student and, and you think to yourself, okay, how do I get my parents to, how do I get my mom to, how do I get my dad to, okay, this, this right here is the answer that you're looking for. Right, what you do, you come home from school, Right? You, you wait in the kitchen till your parents get home, your mom walks through the door, your dad walks through the door, you look them straight in the eyes and you say, hey dad, how was your day? Hey mom, how was your day? Right? And then you wait and you actually listen, give them a chance to, to respond. Right? And then when you have to like pick them up off the floor, because right, they passed out and you help them get into a chair and, and you're like, no really, I just, I just want you to tell, I just want you to tell me about how your day was, I'm telling you, your parents are going to be absolutely speechless because they're going to be thinking, I don't think anybody ever's asked me that question before. Because right? you know this, right? When, when someone actually shows interest in the things that you're interested in and not simply the things that they're interested in, right? you know what happens, right? Your heart, it kind of opens up. Right? Something happens on the inside of us and suddenly we actually find ourselves um, uh, uh, open right, to that person's influence. And see, the Apostle Paul is reminding us, he's saying, okay, followers of Jesus, don't forget, listen, you have the greatest message. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the greatest message that the, that the world has ever heard. You have a message that begins with the fact that God has actually invited you to call him father. Right? And he's not the reflection of your earthly father. He's actually the perfection 
of Father. And so Paul's saying, listen, when you take interest in other people, right, you, you do that in order to actually have the chance to influence them towards your heavenly Father. And then he explains more what that looks like. He says, listen, in your relationships, right, in your relationships with one another, Paul says, have the same mindset as Jesus. Have the same mindset as Christ. In other words, he, he's saying, okay, listen, you're a Jesus follower, right? You're, you're a Jesus follower, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm a Jesus follower. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not perfect. I mean, I, I don't get it right all the time. But yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm a follower of Jesus. And so Paul says, okay, well, listen. When it comes to other people, right? When it comes to other people, I, I just want you to treat other people the way that Jesus treated other people. Right? That, that's it. That, that's it? Well, how did Jesus treat other people? Well, he just kept putting them first. Right? So, so Paul says, okay, listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, right, that means that you want to do the things that Jesus did. Right? It means that you want to um, put into action the things that Jesus said. Right? You want to do those things? Well, yeah. Well, this is what it looks like. It, it's simple. You just simply treat people the way that Jesus treated people. And see, in, in this one single statement, right, that's so familiar to so many of us, what, what the Apostle Paul does is absolutely brilliant because he immediately, he takes us out of this experience of relationship based on the golden rule, right? The golden rule. You, you know the golden rule? You learned this when you were a kid. You just simply do unto others as they would have them do unto you, right? And Paul says, okay, if you're a Jesus follower, why, why would you do that, right? If you're a Jesus follower, he says, listen, th this is all about even, right? This is all about even. If you're a follower of Jesus, don't settle for even. The, the problem with even, um, Paul says, is listen, the problem with even is that even just makes you even with somebody that you don't even like, Right? If you're a Jesus follower, why w w would you settle for even? Right? So th this isn't about what, what I want you to do for me. Um, this isn't about I'm going to treat you the way you're going to treat me. Paul says, listen, if you're a Jesus follower, y y we're better than that. We're, we're, we're better than that. We're going to raise the bar. We're going to raise the bar on all of our interactions with other people. I, I don't want you to treat people the way they've treated you. I don't even want treat you to treat people the way you would like them to treat you. I want you to treat people the way that Jesus has treated you. This is to be the standard, Paul says, for all our behavior. Right? He says, I want this to be the standard of your compassion. I want that to be the standard of your generosity. I want that to be the standard of your patience and your kindness. It's not what you've done for me. It's not what I want you to do for me. Hey, I'm going to do for you as Jesus has already done for me personally. And the Apostle Paul reminds all of us as followers of Jesus, listen, we're going to be the ones to raise the standard because we're the ones who know firsthand, right? We're the ones who know firsthand what it is that Jesus has already done for us, right? And in case we forget, the Apostle Paul goes on and he reminds us of that in the very next verse. He says, Jesus, right, who being in very nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Right? Paul reminds us, Jesus, who actually was of more value than any other person on the planet. Right? Paul says, listen, Jesus never used his Jesusness. Right? Jesus never played the Jesus card. Jesus never played the God card. He never used any about himself for himself. Instead, Jesus always used who and what he was and who and what he had for the sake of everybody else, right? This is the heart 
of Jesus-focused ethics right here. This is the heart of Jesus-focused generosity. This is the heart of Jesus-focused compassion. And then Paul says, here's what I want you to do with all this. Here's how, how you put this all together. Paul says this, therefore, right? In other words, everything I just said in summation, therefore, I want you to continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not work for your salvation, right? Don't miss that. Paul would say, no, you already have that. That's not what I'm talking about. No, I want you to work out your salvation, right? In other words, he's saying, listen, I, I just want, um, I, I want you to allow what is true of you, Paul's saying. I want you to allow what is true of you to actually be seen in you, right? Work that out. Demonstrate that out. Put that on display. Allow other people to see what is true in you. Put that on display so people can see it and say, hey, that's some unusual compassion. Hey, that's some unusual generosity. Hey, that's some unusual patience. Hey, that's some unusual kindness. Work that out, he says, in fear and trembling. Right? Not fear and trembling of like, okay, what's God going to do to me if I don't do this? That's not what Paul's saying. He's saying like fear and trembling as in awe and understanding. Right, awe and understanding of what it is that God has already done for you. For, Paul tells us, for it is God. Right? It's actually God who's at work in you to will and to act or to behave in order to fulfill his good purpose. Right? And what's God's good purpose? Well, Paul tells us. It's pretty clear. Paul says God wants all people. Right? He wants all people to be saved and to come to a, a knowledge of the truth. That's what God's doing. That is God's purpose. This is why God wants you to influence people towards himself. Because he is at work in our world so that all people would be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. God's purpose is that everybody looks up and they, they realize that they have a God who loves me and, and a Savior who died for me. Paul says God wants to make sure that everybody knows that there is a God who loves me and there is a Savior who paid for my sins. And Paul says, listen, the only way people are going to know that, the only way they're going to understand that is because of your presence. The only way they're going to understand that is because of your compassion. The only way they're going to hear about that is because of, of your kindness, your patience, your generosity. This doesn't happen because we judge people. It doesn't happen because we scare people. It doesn't happen because we out-argue them or we tell them you ought to or you better or, or you can't. None of that, Paul says. This only comes. It doesn't come out of being a good person. Right? It's none of that. Paul says this happens when we simply reflect when we allow something in us to be reflected from what our Heavenly Father has already shown to us and given to us through Jesus' action and through his behavior towards us. And if you do that, Paul says, when that happens, then you, right, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. And the them that the Apostle Paul is talking about here, this is actually a reference to his culture. And the interesting thing is that in the verses preceding this particular verse, the Apostle Paul goes into great length explaining what his culture and what his world was like, a culture and a world that is strikingly similar to our culture and our world. Paul says, listen, you live in a culture that is absolutely completely selfish. 
You you live in a culture that couldn't care less about widows and orphans. You you live in a culture that couldn't care less about children and babies. You live in a culture that's so completely self-absorbed that just a little bit of compassion, just a little bit of generosity, a little bit of patience, a little bit of kindness, that is going to get the attention of the people around you. And when that happens, Paul says, you as a group, right? This isn't about individuals. He's talking about a group. You as a group, Paul says, you're going to shine. Followers of Jesus, when that happens amongst you, you are going to shine like stars in the sky. And if you know anything about the history of the church in the first century, right, then you know that this is exactly what happened. Right, because the church in the first century, um, they did not get their traction around theology, right? Because let's be honest, right? Our theology is a little bit weird. Right? We believe that a man actually physically, literally rose from the dead. That's a little bit weird, right? That's not what the first century church gained its traction around. The, the first century church gained traction in their communities and in their world, not around what they believed, not because they were wealthy, not because they were uniquely talented or gifted. The first century church gained traction in their world and in their community uh, around their unusual, their unusual generosity, compassion, and kindness. In the first century, the church was the safest place that a woman could ever be. In the first century, a Christian marriage was the most life-giving and life-filling relationship that a woman could ever experience. The Christians were known for having the best work ethic. It was the Christians who were the ones who stayed behind during the plagues. You know this. They were the ones who actually cared for the sick and the dying because it was the Christians in the first century who didn't fear death because they believed that their Heavenly Father had sent His Son to pay for their sins and that He rose, that He conquered death. It was the compassion and it was the generosity of the first century followers of Jesus that actually gave the church its traction. And somewhere along the way, the church lost some of this. And see, we think it's time to get some of this back. And the way that happens One of the big ways that that happens is through our annual four campaign. This is how we have the opportunity corporately to shine like stars in the sky. It's how, as the Apostle Paul said, as a group, corporately, we look not simply towards our own interests, but each of us, we look towards the interests of others. This is how we go and we do for others exactly what it is that Jesus has done for us. That's why this is such a big deal. That's why this is so important. It's not about being nice. It's not about being kind. This is not um, generosity for generosity's sake. It is way, way, way bigger than any of that. Now, like I said earlier, um, last weekend, this past Friday when I was in the office um, and I got the the, the account sheet from your incredible generosity last weekend, um, last weekend was this weekend, as you know, um, and, and so I challenged all of you, right, to, to give 1995 um, to help support some uh, amazing, right, some amazing, amazing ministries. Um, two of them in our community, the Good News Gang and Angel's Place, and then an incredible partner ministry we have in Guatemala, my special treasure that we've been working with for a number of years. And, and so far, last, I couldn't believe this, last Sunday, you gave more than $22,000 just last week, which is 
so, so incredible. I, I can't even tell you how, what an incredible, when I saw this number, I actually asked our financial director, I said, are, are you sure this is right? I think this is a mistake. And she said, no, I double-checked it. It is correct. So I was absolutely floored. Now, if you did not give a chance already to, to give your gift, your, your 1995, and listen, every single year, right, so many of you, you double that, right? So many of you, you add a zero to that. Many of you, you actually add many zeros to that, which is really phenomenal. But again, I just want to make sure that you do this um, because I, I, our goal with this campaign is always a participation goal, right? It's about getting everyone to give, every family or home to sponsor, and then everyone to actually spend some time serving, right? And, and I don't want you to be bummed out in a couple of weeks that you missed out in being part of something absolutely amazing. And so you still have an opportunity this weekend and next weekend to give your gift of 1995 or more. You can do that again at our website. If you haven't sponsored a, a child or two or three or six for gifts for all God's children, you can do that this year. Um, I want to take a minute. When you go to our website and you, if you look on our website, the sponsorship process is a little different this year. So when you log in, you'll have to take a moment, you'll have to set up an account, which just takes, you know, takes less than a minute to do. Once you set up that account, you're going to see all the kids that we're going to sponsor this year, but they're grouped by family. You do not need to sponsor an entire family. You can go through and you can pick an individual kid, one or two. You can pick them in the same family. You can pick them from different families, right? And then once you do, you add those, you put those kids, kind of funny, you put them into your basket and then you check out your basket, right? And so that's your way of saying that you're going to provide some gifts for those kids this Christmas. So please make sure that you do this this weekend or next weekend. That is your last opportunity to sponsor some kids this year through Gifts for All God's Children. Next Sunday is our last Sunday in our campaign. Next Sunday is our Sunday Serve Day. This is where we're asking everybody to worship once and serve once. So when you come in at either 9.15 or 11, you can come into this room or you can go into the gym and the other rooms in the building. Those will be set up to help um, have you package and put together some care items that are going to be used by a number of ministries um, all throughout this winter in our local community. House of Hope, Ellie's House, Night Angels, um, Gifts for All God's Children, all those ministries are going to be blessed by what you're doing. We're also going to give some special um, just gifts of appreciation to our local first responders as well as those who are actively serving in our military as well. Again, our annual four campaign is a celebration uh, of generosity. This is where we come together corporately and we spend some time doing corporately exactly what it is that Jesus has done for all of us individually. Right, and again, if you haven't been here before, if you haven't done this before, um, this is where we're asking everybody to give that one-time gift uh, of 19.95. And then once you do that, at the end of this campaign, we're gonna give all of it away. Right, no matter how much comes in, you've been incredibly generous already, no matter how much comes in, we're going to give all of it, 100% of it away. Now, all these nonprofits that we work with, these organizations, they focus in on needs like this, hunger, medical care, housing, human trafficking, education, family stabilization, as well as community 
help. We have a bunch of ministry partners that we work with all year long, uh, ministries like Trinity Community Care, Crossroads Pregnancy Center, Victory Mission, House of Hope, Ellie's House, Gifts for All God's Children, and a whole bunch of others. But it's during our four campaign that we have the chance to kind of highlight and bless a number of those organizations as well as some other outstanding organizations in our community that, again, you, we just give all that money that you give through your 1995 gifts away. And it's all unexpected because, again, this is part of what makes this so much fun. None of these organizations have asked us for anything. They have no idea that we're doing this this year. And so in a couple of weeks, um, myself and some other staff people, we just get to show up and we get to surprise some organizations with some really big checks because of your incredible generosity and your compassion, your desire to help people in our community. This is how the church grows, right? This is how the local church has grown from the very beginning. It's how we, as the followers of Jesus, we actually get to see God working as he's changing people's hearts and as he is changing people's lives. This is one of the very tangible ways that we get to bring the gospel to the least and the lost and the lonely in our community. And it's also a time that we celebrate. And we celebrate something that's so important. This is so easy to miss, but please don't miss this. At the center of the gospel is this whole idea that God not only believed something, but that God actually did something. Because as followers of Jesus, as we know, as Jesus has demonstrated in an unmistakable way, it is doing, not just believing, that actually makes the difference, right? It's doing, not simply believing, that changes the world. It's doing that changed your world. And it's doing that will continue to change our world. And so this is our opportunity to do for others what Jesus has done for us. Let me pray for you today. And then we're going to wrap up, and I want to give you time to sponsor or to help with anything out there that you might need to. Let me pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, it is so amazing to see uh, what your church can do when we simply work together and we follow you. And Jesus, that's not because of us. Uh, that's because of your Holy Spirit working and moving that's because of what you've told us in your word and what you continue to tell us to do each day. What to do each day as we follow you, Jesus, as we listen for you, as we look to how it is that we can actually serve others the way that you, Jesus, have served us. And so, Father, this morning, as we um, just continue to celebrate and as we continue to worship who you are, as we remember what you've done, and as we come to celebrate what you've done, Father, my prayer is that we would continue to go out and be active, that we would remember that our activity is a form of worship. And we get to worship you, Jesus, by actively loving, actively being generous, and actively being compassionate, just as you have been all of those things for us. And Father, I pray very specifically right now in this moment that as hear this as we reflect on your words, um, Jesus, in scripture. I know, Holy Spirit, that you, you, you are, are nudging um, some of us right now, that you're, you're prodding us, you're giving us a, a leading of what it is that you want us to do in this coming week. And so, Jesus, I just ask that you give us the courage to, to listen, that you give us the faith that we need to trust, and Jesus, that you remind each of us 
that no matter what it is that happens in our life and in our world, that you are the one who's guiding us and holding on to us and caring for us every step of the way, that nothing happens, Jesus, apart from your activity and your work, and that you have worked so that no matter what happens, we will never be alone, we will never be rejected, and we will always have the hope of your resurrection and our resurrection one day. We pray all of this, Jesus, in your name.